And we're going to continue uh, in, our, in our series. Um, if you could open your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 7. Matthew, chapter 7, and verse 28. We find our series verse. We've been going over this series for the month of May, and we're going to be continuing in the month of June. In Matthew 7, 28, the Bible says this. It says, when Jesus concluded his address, the crowd burst into applause. They had never heard teaching like this. It was apparent that he was living everything he was saying. Quite a contrast to their religious or to their religious leader uh, teachers. This, the Bible says, was the best teaching they had ever heard. We, t- we titled this series for the month of May and the month of June, The Best Sermon Ever. The best sermon ever. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, the message that Jesus gave for you and I, that we would come to know who God is. We would come to know what God expects from us, how God views us. We would come to know the teaching of our Lord, the best sermon ever. We wanted to give it a little more time, so we gave it a couple of months' worth of information. This sermon is recorded in the book of Matthew, chapters 5, 6, and 7. We've been going over each chapter verse by verse. We're going to continue this evening in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 5. Matthew 6 and verse 5, the Bible says this. Jesus says these words, and he says, And now about prayer, Jesus says. He says, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who pretend piety by praying publicly on street corners and in the synagogues where everyone can see them. He says, Truly, That is all the reward they will ever get. He says, but when you pray, go away by yourself all alone and shut the door behind you and pray to your Father secretly. And your Father, Jesus says, who knows your secrets, will reward you. He says, don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathen do who thinks prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. He says, remember, your father knows exactly what you need even before you ask him. So he says in verse 9, pray along these lines. He says, our father in heaven, we honor your holy name. We ask that your kingdom will come now. May your will Be done here on earth, just as it is in heaven. Give us our food again today, as usual. And forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Don't bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Amen. I titled this message this evening, Lord, teach us to pray. Lord, teach us to pray. Who better to teach us how to pray than Jesus Christ himself, right? Who better to teach you and I 
how to, how to converse with the Almighty than Jesus Christ our Lord. We can write an entire series on prayer alone. There's so many aspects to prayer that we can cover. Over all the years that I've been in church as a kid and growing up, over, you know, th thinking of all the friendships that I've had over the years, I've never ever encountered someone who claimed to be a professional in praying. Have any of you ever encountered someone that said, you know what, when it comes to prayer, I got this thing down. Ask me, I will show you how to pray. I'm a professional, I have a PhD in prayer. How many know there's no PhDs in prayer? There's no right or wrong way of praying. Why, because prayer is a conversation. Prayer is not a ceremony. You know, when I think of a ceremony, I think of having to wear the right thing, right? You can't just go to a ceremony wearing whatever you want. It's based upon, you know, what, whatever you're walking into, what that ceremony is encompassing, you have to wear the right thing. You have to do the right things. You have to say the right things. But this is not what Jesus or how Jesus wants us to perceive prayer. Why? Because prayer is not a ceremony. It's a conversation. We got to get all those rules and regulations out of our head when it comes to prayer. It's a relationship, not a ritual. This is what Jesus wants you and I to understand the deepness of it. You know, maybe, maybe you find yourself here tonight or maybe you're listening online and you find yourself reluctant to pray because you feel that you don't know how. That's okay. Because tonight, I believe that God's word is gonna encourage you and I. It's gonna teach you, teach us to learn what prayer really is. Why it's important, and we're going to learn about its power. Maybe you say, I don't know how to pray. You know, think about when you were a baby. I know for some of us it's been many, many years, right? Think about when you were a baby, though, and you said those first words. How many of you know that those first words, I bet you, were not even understandable? Nobody knew what you were saying, but what happened? Well, what happened was your parents were able to interpret what you were saying after a while. They were able to figure out, oh, I know what he wants. I know what she wants. When, when everyone else was clueless as to what you were saying, your parents understood I remember my, my parents told me a story of when I was a little kid, and it was, it was 1984. Why do I know? Because the Olympics were in L.A., if you remember that. 1984, the Olympics came to city of Los Angeles, and my parents told me that we were in the car, and I, had, I was looking out the window, 
And I said something on the lines of this. Tantatito. This is what I said, according to what they told me. I don't remember this happening. I was a little guy. And no one knew what I was saying, and I kept repeating it. Tantatito. And I was pointing out the window as I was saying it. My parents finally understood that what I was pointing at and saying was Sam the Eagle. <laughs> they managed to crack the code. See, in prayer, it's no different. In prayer, others may not know what you're saying. You may not even know what you're saying, but guess what your Heavenly Father does? Why? Why? Because He loves you. Why? Get this. Because He takes the time to listen. This is key for you, believer, to understand that God takes the time to listen. He doesn't just shun you out when what you're saying doesn't make any sense. When, you, when, 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 others, say, when others tell you that's not prayer, that's not how you're supposed to pray. But your heavenly Father knows. Why? Because he loves you, he takes the time to listen, and he knows exactly what you need. He knows exactly what you and I need. God wants you to start praying. Think about when your small child or maybe your small grandchild comes to you and they give you, they give you this picture that they just drew and it's got a bunch of, you know, stick figures. You don't know if they're people. You don't know if it's an, if it's an animal. You don't know if it's a tree. You don't know what it is. How do you respond to that picture? I guarantee you, each and every one of you respond like this. Wow, it's perfect. Don't you? Yes? Or do some of you just give it the cold, hard truth? <laughs> you weren't meant to be an artist. <laughs> no, you say, wow, that's perfect. It's beautiful. I love it. See, what are you saying? What are you telling them? Are you telling them that that's the best picture that, that you've ever seen in your entire life? No. What you're saying is that is perfect for the stage that you are in your life. It's perfect for a three-year-old. It's perfect for a two-year-old. It's perfect for the stage in your life. Now, if they draw like that when they're 25, <laughs> then you got some issues. <laughs> but you're telling them it's perfect. It's perfect for where you're at in your life. Let me tell you right now. If you're at a place in your life where you feel like you don't know how to pray, when you say, you know what, I didn't, I don't, I don't know how to do this. And then you just start talking to God. You start letting him know what is on your heart. And God says it's so perfect. 
It's perfect. It's exactly what I wanted, God says. It's exactly what I was seeking from you. You may think that it's not the right way. You may think that some other, yet that others can do it better. But God says it is perfect. It is perfect. See, God understands. You don't need to get to a certain level in your life for God to start loving you. Why? Because he loves you regardless. He loves you in your early stage of Christianity, in your early stage of following him. Oh, he loves you. He loved you even before you came to him. In your sin, God loved you. He's always loved you, and he will never stop loving you. He loves you regardless. See, I believe that many believers lack an appetite for prayer because they've never tasted prayer-produced revival in their lives. I love In-N-Out burgers. All right, there was some agreeance there. I love In-N-Out burgers. Why? Because someone told me how good they were? No, because I tasted it for myself. I've tasted it for myself, and I came to know that it's really good. It might be small. You know, you got to order four patties, but that's all right. It's tasty. What happens when you find a new place to eat that you love? What do you do? You tell others about it, don't you? You don't keep it to yourself. When you find a new hot spot, you tell others, hey, look, I, you have to taste this food. This is so, so good. It's the best that I've ever had. You have to try it. It's going to change your life, revolutionize <laughs> your life. Maybe it's a stretch, but that's the way you feel at the time. You tell others about it. You like because you're excited. You're excited about it, and you want others to share in the same excitement. David says in the Bible, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. What was David saying? He says, look, he says, I've tasted and I've seen that the Lord is really good. He is really good. So now I need you to taste and see what I am talking about here. Because it's going to change your life forever. When you come to know the power of prayer, what's going to happen in your life? You're going to want more. When you see how, how, how prayer affects your life, how it affects your decision making, how it affects your home, how it affects your children, 
how it affects your marriage, how it affects your finances, you're going to want more. You're going to want to know God more and to converse with Him. See, David was confident that you would also encounter and enjoy the goodness of God just as he did. Matthew 7, verse 7, says, Ask, and you will be given what you ask for. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Anyone who seeks finds. If, you, if only you will knock, the door will be open. If a child asks his father for a loaf of bread, will he be given a stone instead? If he asks for fish, will he be given a poisonous snake? Of course not. And if you hard-hearted, sinful men know how to give good gifts to your children, won't your Father in heaven even more certainly give good gifts to those who ask him for them? Jesus says, ask and you will be given what you ask for. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened. But don't forget that it has to be in accordance with the will of God. I know we would all love to ask God for a million dollars, right? The Bible says, ask and I shall receive. I want a million dollars right now. Maybe God knows that that's not the best thing for your life right now. Maybe God knows that you need, to, you, need to be, you need to be trusted with what you have right now. And then God can bless you with more. What are you doing with the, as you may call, the little that you have right now? John also records Jesus' words in John 15, verse 7. He says, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. And he says this, if you remain in me and obey my commands. You see, this is what's called a conditional promise. I promise to do this if you do this. See, we know what an unconditional promise is, right? That would be like Jesus saying that he's going to come back for his church. That's an unconditional promise. You don't have to do anything to make that happen. It's going to happen. Amen? Do you believe that? All right. It's unconditional. It'll happen regardless. But here Jesus, Jesus is saying, if you stay close enough to me that you could hear my voice and you obey my words, I promise my favor to you. See, there is no substitute for prayer especially in circumstances that seem impossible. You need to understand that you cannot establish blessing for the next generation without prayer. The next generation needs you to pray. They need you to seek God. They need, they need you to seek God for direction in leading them. They need you to seek God to give you the strength to be a godly example to them, to be bold for the things of God, to take a stand for righteousness when all the rest of the world, even, even the church, is bowing down to the world and to their beliefs.
When we live in a world where everyone just conforms to what everyone else is doing, the next generation needs to see the godly men and women stand for the things of God. To stand. They need to watch you stand. They need to watch you take a stand and come against unrighteousness. But also show God's love. They need to see that in your life. See, we need to beware of empty words. The, Jesus calls them repetition. Prayer that can be strictly from memory. A story is told of a little girl whose parents taught her the classic bedtime prayer before she went to bed. And, you know, the one that begins with, now I lay me down to sleep. So she decided one night, you know, why does God need to hear me say this again and again? She decided to record herself saying the prayer. And then what she would do was she would play the recording each night before she went to bed. You know, perhaps you smile at that story, but that can be like us. We can memorize prayers. We can just recite them over and over again without even thinking. And this is where Jesus says, be careful. I don't want you to come to a place where you are just basically saying prayers from repetition. I want them to come from your heart and not from memory. Those words, they tend to lose meaning through repetition. Remember what Jesus says in Matthew 6, 7. He says, don't recite the same prayer over and over as the heathen do. Who thinks that prayers are answered only by repeating them again and again. Jesus says, I want it to come from the heart. When you pray, when you seek me, I want it to come from here. When you pray for your children... It needs to come from your heart. When you, when you come to me in conversation, I need it to come from your heart. I need to know what's really happening in your life. There's a few things I want to look at tonight regarding the prayer life of Jesus. Number one is that he prayed alone. In Luke 5, 16, the Bible says that Jesus would go away to places where he could be alone for prayer. Why is this important? Why? Because we need to focus. Focus on what? We need to focus on God. We can't allow anything to take our focus away when we are having conversation with God. And this is why Jesus did this. Because I'm sure there were many, many who wanted to talk to him. Many who had questions for him. And so Jesus needed to get away. So that he can focus. So that he can converse with his father. Not only did he pray alone, but he prayed with others. Matthew 18, 20. It says where... Where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them. 
I think of our prayer central. What an awesome time it is for us to gather together, brothers and sisters in the Lord, the body of Christ, to pray and seek God together. What an awesome time that is of growth, of strengthening, of unity. You know, we pray for unity, but what are we doing to bring it? We pray for, we pray that, you know, there would be less arguing in church, but what are we doing to help that? We pray that so-and-so would be a better leader. Well, are you praying for that leader? Or are you just talking about him or her? What are you doing to help the situation? See, we can't just complain about things and say, oh, look at this, and, you know, this is bad over here, and you know what? I would do things different. What makes me think that anyone would do things different if they were in that position? If you're just going to sit there and complain. Believe me, I'm guilty of this, church. I'm guilty of complaining. I'm guilty of, of, of pointing the finger. And God brings me to a place of saying, hey, look, man, don't look at anyone else. Look at yourself. Look at yourself. What are you doing? What are you doing to bring these things that you want to see in others? That you want to see in these relationships? What are you, are you doing your part? Are you seeking me, God's God tells me. Are you seeking me to work things out? Or are you trying to fix it on your own? We know what happens when we fix things on our own. We make a mess of it. We need God to help us. We need God to give us wisdom. Amen. We need God to give us patience. We need God to help us to forgive. Amen. Don't we? God's presence and prayer unites us together. Number three, he prayed for others. John 17, 9 says, I pray for them. For those you have given me, he's talking to his father. For those you have given me, for they are yours. You see, he asked God to bless the disciples with perseverance. To bless them with unity. To bless them with spiritual satisfaction. I mean, all that's important. As we are doing the work of God, that you would experience spiritual satisfaction in your life. And man, I love serving God. I love doing His work. This is the best kind of work. There's nothing like it. God wants us to experience that as we witness to the world. Number four is that He prays for us. John 17, 20 says, My prayer is not... For my disciples alone, Jesus says, I pray also for those who believe in me through their message in how they live. Jesus says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you that you could be a reflection of righteousness, that others can look at you and could see the Father in you. I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God strengthens you. 
I see, I see that you may feel weak right now. I see that you may feel tired. You may feel like you're all alone, but I'm praying for you, Jesus says. Know that I am going to the Father on your behalf. And this is what Jesus does. Jesus prayed because he knew that he could do nothing without God the Father. And church, neither can we. Jesus always referred to God as his Father. Look at our text in Matthew 6, verse 9. He says, pray along these lines, our Father in heaven. I want to look at this word Father for a moment here. In John 5, the religious leaders were harassing Jesus because he performed miracles on the Sabbath, the day of rest. In John 5, verse 16, it says this. It says, so they began harassing Jesus as a Sabbath breaker. <laughs> but Jesus replied, my father constantly does good, and I'm following his example. Then the Jewish leaders were all the more eager to kill him because in addition to disobeying their Sabbath laws, he had spoken of God as his father thereby making himself equal with God. You see, in Jesus' times, the religious leaders will refer to God as Lord. They never referred to him as Father. And when Jesus referred to him as, as Abba Father, it was like, what are you talking about? No, we have fathers here on earth. Why are you referring to God in heaven as your father, do you think you are like him? Do you think you are equal to him? It made him very angry. But this is exactly the relationship and the way that God wants you and I to view him and that he wants us to have with him. He wants us to see him as our father. Father, when you pray, Jesus says, he says, you say, Father, our Father in heaven. I believe Jesus made this time of reference to God very personal. Why? Because you think of a father, you know, a father directs. A father also corrects, doesn't he? And a father also protects. This is what a father does. This is what a father's supposed to do. This is what God does. This is what Jesus, I believe, wants us to understand. That when you refer to God as your father, you have that understanding that not only is he directing and correcting, but he is also protecting. He's your father. And this needs to open our eyes to who God is and help us when it comes to this time of prayer in how we seek him, in how we come to him. Yes, yes, he is our Lord. Yes, he is God Almighty, but he is also your Father. He is your Heavenly Father. For some of you that didn't grow up with a Father, 
and have a hard time even understanding that someone that 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 God can be a actual father in your life. Yes, He can, and yes, He is. And this is why the enemy tries to hit so hard homes. He tries to hit so hard the removing of fathers in the raising of children, in the raising of the next generation. Why? Because they play such a vital part in the upbringing of that child. They play parts, I believe, that were meant only for that father to meet. This is the way God designed it. An enemy, as he tries to strip that father from the home, you have that child who loses direction. You have that child that loses correction. And they, and they think they can do whatever they want with no consequences. We see this out in the world. I look out and I think, man, we live in a world where people just do not think there's any consequences to anything anymore. Why? Where are the fathers at? Where are they at? They're supposed to be protecting these kids. Let me tell you right now, God is our heavenly father. And he will not let you down. He will not forsake you. He will not. He's always there to guide you. He's always there to comfort you. He's always there to bring you back to a place of correction, to, to, in, in direction. Why? Because he loves you. He loves you. He doesn't want you to wander off. He doesn't want you walking off the cliff. Amen? He wants to protect you. This is who God is. So what does Jesus call us to do? Number one, he calls us to honor him. We need to honor God. When Jesus was teaching in Matthew 6, 9, he said these words, and he says, Our Father in heaven, we honor your holy name. Jesus says, you start that prayer with honoring God. You honor him for who he is. Don't just bring up the things that you could remember him doing. You praise him for who he is, who his, what, what his word says he is. That he is faithful. That even, that even if you're in a time in your life when, when you know, that, that maybe faithfulness doesn't come to mind because of the situation that you find yourself in, you need to honor God and say, God, your word says that you are faithful. Your word says that you will never leave me nor forsake me. Your word says this, Lord, and I, and, I, and I thank you for it because I know that you are true to your word. I honor you, Lord. I honor you. See, Jesus' focus was always on the Father. Always. When we pray, our focus needs to shift from us to God. I know we have things that we need to seek God in, but we need to shift our focus when we pray. Why? Because we need to hear from God. I know we have a lot of things that we want to tell him, but we need to make sure that we leave time for us to receive what God is saying. God, speak to me. God, you, you tell him, God, speak to me right now. Father, give me your word. Father, give me your direction for the day. 
Father, let me know how to handle this situation. You need to seek him. Jesus says to honor him. He also says that we need to surrender to him. In Matthew 6.10, Jesus continues, and he says, we ask that your kingdom will come now. May your will be done on earth just as it is in heaven. What is Jesus saying? Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. We have our ways of thinking that We have our ways of, of wanting to handle things in our lives, but we need to accept God's will. We need to accept the way God wants to work in your situation and the direction that he wants to take you in. In Luke 2.49, the first recorded words of Jesus are to his mother when he was just a child. The Bible says he was 12 years old. And he says these words to his mother. He says, why were you searching for me? He says, didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? Didn't you know that I'm all about my father's business? And look at the last recorded words of Jesus in Luke 23, 46. His last recorded words, he says this, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. It was the life that was lived for the father. Everything Jesus did pointed to the Father. Everything he said pointed to the Father. Everything. That's the life that he lived, and that's the life he wants you and I to live. That your life would point to the Father. That every, everything you say would point to the Father. Your actions would point to the Father. This is who God is. This is only because of God that I'm able to, that I'm able to have this life that I live it's only because of God. We need to trust him. Jesus continues in verse 11. He says, give us our food again as usual. You see, effective prayer needs both the attitude of complete dependence and the action of asking. Father, you are true to your word. I trust that you are working everything out for my good. I trust you, Lord. I trust you. I trust you with, with, with these prayers. I trust you with my family. I trust you with my finances. I trust you in my job. Lord, I trust you. Father, I believe that you are working everything out for my good. I believe it and I receive it. And lastly, as our worship team comes forward this evening, is obey him. Jesus says we need to honor him, we need to surrender to him, we need to trust him, and also we need to obey him. In verse 12 of our text, Jesus says these words, and he says, forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. Forgive us our sins, just as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. What can we pray for? that Jesus would want us to have. Because the Bible says, ask and you'll be given what you ask for. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So what are you and I praying for? 
that we know that Jesus wants you and I to have. How about to love God? God, help me to have a a fresh love for you, a hunger, a thirst for you. Help me, Lord God, to desire you, to desire righteousness. Lord, help me to love others. Help me to show others your love. Lord, help me to forgive others. If you ask God to help you, he's going to help you in doing this. Father, help me to forgive so that I can be forgiven. Father, I have been forgiven much. Help me. Help me, Father. See, prayer not only opens that door for us to talk to God, but it opens that door for us to hear from him. It opens that door for his blessings to pour into our lives. The revival that God seeks for us to experience, not only in our lives, not only in our homes, but in our nation. God seeks to bring revival, a reviving, a reviving of a thirst for him. To want to hear his voice, to pray and to seek him, to seek him like you've never sought him before. We need to say, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, help me to love to pray. Help me to love these times of conversation. Help me to love, Lord, our relationship. Help me to value it. Lord, help me to do it more. That I would seek you in every aspect of my life. Lord, and I know, I know that you are working everything out for my good. As we pray, church, as we seek God, you're going to hear from him. You're going to hear from him. He's going to continue to guide you. He's going to continue to help you in your decision-making. You're going to see those blessings not only in your life, but in the next generation. As God continues to use their lives. As every head is bowed, every eye closed.